0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: God is indeed a God of renewal. He will bring about in us a, a newness after we have confessed our sins and after we have done what is necessary that the sin would be dealt with. Now we need to see this on two levels there's what God's sacrifice does in our behalf that that sin is is redeemed no more but that is from a perspective that relates to our relationship with God and that kingdom hope that promise of entering into the kingdom all of that has been restored it was never lost Messiah's work upon that cross deals with all of our sin so that is secure for the believer but when a believer sins there can be earthly consequences as we saw last week in this battle of I we saw that the children of Israel that they did something that there was sin in the camp and that enabled them to be in a weakened state And therefore, it encouraged and empowered the enemy, and they could not stand in opposition to the enemies of God. And they were shamed. They suffered a a very embarrassing defeat. Instead of bringing honor to God, they profaned his name by running away in fear from the enemy. And what did God do? Well, we saw as well last week, In that second part of chapter 7, how there was that process of renewal, dealing with sin, putting sin outside the camp. And we saw that there was some very severe consequences for Achan and his family because of what this one man had done. They suffered loss. They suffered the loss of their life and all of their possessions they found that sin robbed them of any hope of a future now the good news for redeemed people is this that that sin our sins have been dealt with from an eternal standpoint a kingdom standpoint but there can still be those earthly consequences and that's why as i said we need to deal with those things. The best we can being led by the spirit and enlightened by the word of God let's begin Joshua and chapter eight we read here and the Lord spoke to jehoshua that is Joshua he says do not fear and do not be dismayed now what he's saying is this because sin has been dealt with properly that that punishment has been given out that sin has been eradicated and because of that god says to joshua do not fear secondly he says do not be dismayed this is a word of confusion and dismayed has to do with not being able to discern the order of god or the will of god it is as i said a state of confusion and what God is saying is this. There's no need to be afraid of the enemy. There's no need to be concerned about your, your situation now spiritually. God has renewed himself to the people. And with this renewal comes a return back to the purposes of God. And that is to conquer the land and, in this context, to defeat this people, the people of I. so he says do not fear and do not be dismayed there's no reason to to doubt the order of what I'm going to do for the people he says look at the next part of verse 1 take with you and all the people of war so he says take with you as you go all the people of war meaning all the men who are of that age that they are old enough to go out to battle, take all the people of war, rise up, go up to I. Now, we're going to see that usually this term to go up is referred to Jerusalem. When we go any other place, it's going down, but this term going up is used. Why? Because the people are following the will of God. And we know the scripture speaks of the upward call of Messiah. So when we are committed to the purposes of God, there's going to be that upward call. So here we see this term being repeated several times in this passage where he's talked to and he says, Go up to I. See, I have given into your hand the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. Now, what that is to mean to us, total victory. Everything that belongs to the king, and he's the king over all of the city, everything that he has authority over is now going to be given into the hands of the children of Israel. Through what? Through victory. See, when there's sin, sin robs us of victory but when sin has been dealt with when it's been eradicated when it's been removed from the camp we are prepared to receive victory from god look again at verse one word says see and it's just that word some bible say behold it's not the word behold but it's the word see perceive this you are going to see that i have given into your hand The king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Verse 2. And you shall do to Ai and to, literally her king, because city is a feminine noun, to her king, just as you've done to Jericho and her king. But there's a difference. We're going to see that there's going to be allowed in this battle some plunder notice what it says at the end of verse two where it says only her spoil and her cattle you may plunder for yourselves meaning you can take this and then he says set for yourselves a ambush for the city and do so after it meaning after the city Now, God has a strategy for victory. I would make a note of that. No matter what situation you're in, no matter how bad it may appear, how hopeless it may be, something that you have failed maybe several times previously, when you are renewed to God and you are following His strategy, you are on a pathway to victory. You are going to experience triumph. The enemy is going to be defeated. But the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Am I truly following God's strategy? So he's speaking to Joshua. He's giving the instructions what Joshua's going to follow. And it's all about laying an ambush for the city in a specific place. Verse 3. Joshua, a man of obedience. Joshua He rose up and all the people of war to go up. There's that second time to go up to I and Joshua chose 30,000 men and not just any men, but mighty men of valor. Now that term is used for, for, for many places in the Bible for individuals that are committed, loyal, submissive to the purposes of. Of God so Joshua chose as we have seen others leaders done chose these mighty men of valor. verse 3 at the end and he sent them at night now night this word Lila can have significance because we see that this word is connected to redemption it was as night that God struck Egypt. And we know that it was with darkness that that Messiah, that he was on that tree on that Passover day. So many times darkness or night is related to God moving. Let me give you another example. When you read for, for example, Matthew 24, and you see in verse, verse uh, uh, 20, 27, you see something. You see that Messiah is going to come in the midst of darkness. Why? Because he's the light of the world. I just want to look at that passage real quick to give you one illustration of this. So look with me briefly to the book of Matthew and Matthew chapter 24, that wonderful chapter that deals with the last days and many key things in the last days. And I mention verse 27. Word says, for as lightning goes forth from the east and lights up the west, thus will be also the coming of the Son of Man. So it's going to be at a time that of darkness that he's going to be light in the sense that his coming is going to light up the sky. And all of this is to show us something very important. And that is, and this is in regard to the second coming, not the rapture, this verse of scripture that I'm reading from Matthew. It shows us the same concept of, of light or of darkness and that he's the light of the world. Now let's go back to, to Joshua and chapter chapter eight. We're ready now for, for verse, verse four. And he commanded them saying, see now this is the second time we see that word see see you are laying ambush for the city and to do so after or behind the city in a specific location and do not be very far away from the city and all of you shall be and notice this next phrase all of you should be nechonim. now the word nechon, relates to correctness, that which is right, that which is proper. It can also be derived from a word which means to be prepared or ready, something that's been established for a purpose. And this word has to do with the people being ready and being placed in a corrected condition in order that God can bring about with them victory. So, one of the things that we should always ask ourselves is this. Have I been prepared properly? Am I in a spiritually correct state? And what is the basis of this? Submissive to the instructions of God. This is the principle that's being revealed to us. So, he says, all of you shall be nechonim. Be ready, be prepared, be correct in your call verse 5 joshua speaking and he says and i and all the people who are with me we will approach the city meaning draw near to the city and it shall be that they shall go forth meaning they will go forth to meet us just as the first time now we need to remember This is the second time that the children of Israel attempted to take this city, a small city. And the people of this city, their their soldiers, went out. And the children of Israel fled in fear. We know why. Sin is in the camp, but not this time. And the strategy that God is putting forth is this, that it's going to be similar. The children of Israel are going to come before the city. The men of Ai, their their soldiers are going to see that. And what are they going to do? Look again. It says, they will go forth to meet us just as the first time. And we will flee from before them. Now, this time, that fleeing is not because of fear. This fleeing is not going to to give rise to defeat, but it's part of God's strategy. It is going to give the men of I a false sense of superiority, that they are are going to be victorious. Verse 6. And they shall go forth after us until... And we have a very important word. Now, this is the same word that we saw earlier on in the book of Joshua, where it speaks about the Kohanim, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant. And we saw how they, with the Ark of the Covenant, they stood in the Jordan River. And what happened? The water ceased to be. And they stood on dry land. But when their feet were lifted up, what happened? When there was that disconnect, and remember that word, when there was that disconnect from the soles of their feet to that land, what happened? Well, we were taught that the water returned. There was a change. Things went back to the order of God. And this is exactly what's going to happen here. God's order is going to be carried out. Look again at our verse, verse 6, where it says, And they will go forth after us until, meaning unto the time that they disconnect from the city. For they will say, They are fleeing from before us just as the former time now they're going to do exactly what god is stating god's strategy is perfect he knows what's going to happen the children of israel are going to come before just like they did the first time they're going to flee just like they did the first time but not because of fear not because of confusion not because of sin but out of obedience Now, let me simply say, when there is that fleeing, we can think of it another way, a retreat. This is dangerous because you're fleeing from the enemy and they're pursuing. And usually when one flees, they're in a vulnerable position. The enemy can attack because you are are running away. You're not fighting. You have made yourself very vulnerable. So this requires faith. It requires trust. And this is going to be significant in a moment. Look at verse verse 7. And you shall rise up from the ambush. And he's talking about those who are part of the ambush. There's two groups of people here. There's a total of 30,000 individuals. But some are going to be part of the the decoy, those that go before the city and flee. And there's going to be another group that is laying ambush, waiting in order to take possession of the city. Now, look again at exactly what's going on. Verse 7. And you shall rise up from the ambush, And you shall take possession of the city. It's a word for inheriting. You shall inherit the city. For the Lord your God has given it into your hands. All of this is the outcome of God's provision. God's provision of victory. Verse 8. And it will come about when you seize the city. That you're supposed to do something. That you shall set it ablaze with fire. Set what ablaze? The entire city. Now, this has some significance because the, the children of I, they're idolaters. They are rebellious. They know what they should do, submit to the children of Israel. They're not wanting to do that. They're going out to battle. They're pursuing they want to happen just what happened the first time and that is that they would defeat the children of israel they're not haters of evil they are participating in evil and therefore it's not by chance we're going to see something that's very significant look again at our text where it says verse verse eight middle of the verse and you And it's in the plural, you all shall set ablaze the city with fire. Why? According to the word of the Lord, you shall do. So it was God's instruction that said, burn this city with fire. Now, fire is many times used in the scripture as a reference to the wrath of God. You see, what happens is this. Yes, the children of Israel were sinful, but God's wrath did not come upon them in fullness as it's going to do upon the children of I. Why? What's the difference? Covenant. You cannot overestimate the significance of being in a covenantal relationship with God, especially a new covenant relationship. So burn the city with fire just as the lord the word of the lord you shall do see i have commanded you so god wants a expression of his wrath to be poured out upon this city verse verse 9 and joshua sent them and they went to the place of ambush and they dwelt between Bet-El, that city, and between I, west of the city, meaning in the direction of the sea. But Joshua, he lodged, that is, he spent the night where? He lodged that night in the midst of the people. And what people? Those that were going to be the bait, be the decor, decoy those that are going to be in a very vulnerable position. Verse 10. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and he counted the people. And he went up and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. Now, remember, this is being emphasized to us by the text, that Joshua and who else? The elders the people the leadership did not go with those who were going to lay ambush upon the city but rather they went with those that were going to approach the city and and so so convey fear and run and flee from before the the soldiers of i and again What we should know is that this is a very risky strategy for those people. They're going to be fleeing why the soldiers of I are able to attack and pursue after them. Look at the next verse, verse 10. And Joshua got up early in the morning. He counted the people. He went up and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai, verse 11. And all the people of war were with him. They went up and they approached and they came before the city. And what did they do? They camped from the north side of Ai, between the valley and between Ai. So they were at that very specific location. There was that valley, and between it and between I, this is where they camped. Verse 12. And he took, now this is still Joshua. Everything's being done under his leadership. And he took approximately 5,000 men, and he set them as the ambush. So what do we see? We see that 25,000 were in this group of people that came before I. Now, I is a very small people, but they nevertheless defended their city and they came out. And what happened? Just like the first time, the people fled. But this time, instead of there being approximately 3,000, there's approximately 25,000 because five are laying ambush in order to take the city. Look again, verse 12. And he took about 5,000 men and he set them for the ambush between Bet-El, that city, and between Ai, towards the west side of the city. Verse 13. And the people set all the camp, which was on the north side of the city, and the rear guard, which was west of the city. And Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now, all of this is speaking about how Joshua arranged the people in light of the strategy that was given to him by God. Verse 14. And it came about when the king of I saw. Now, what did he see? He saw the people encamped there. And what is he going to do? Well, he's going to respond as he did the first time. God knows that. God knows everything. So when the king of I saw What was happening? Hurriedly, they, meaning his troops, his armies, they got up and they went forth. Who went forth? The men of the city. In order to approach, to draw near to Israel. And why did they do that? For war. That's what they went for, war. And war was going to be. Verse 14, the second part he and all his people and where did they go it says la moed lifnei harva they went to this designated place before the plain and this would be the the coastal plain the desert plain now something is very important and that's this we see here that that the, the people of Ai, they are going to chase the children of Israel to that Arvah, that, that desert plain. And notice what it says in this passage of scripture. They go out for war, he and his people with him, to this designated place. Now, you probably know the word Moed, referring to the designated times, the festivals of the Lord. That we read about for example in leviticus 23 well this is the same word moed but what it speaks of is an appointed place that place that they wanted to do battle but notice what it says keep reading in the middle of verse 14 where it says but he did not know that there was an ambush for him behind the city verse 15 and Joshua and all of Israel, what did they do? It says that they, and this is word which means to strike before them, and what happens? And they fled on the way of the midbar. Joshua and the people they struck, but the word for striking, striking simply means to touch. They came near to the people of Ai, very near. And then what did they do? They fled by way of the desert. Verse 16. And all the people that were, and the implication is from the city of Ai, what did they do? It says, they cried out. Now, this is not a cry of despair. This is a shout, a battle cry a shout, a yelling all the people of Ai in order that they would pursue after them. So the children of Israel are fleeing where? It says to the wilderness, the Hebrew word midbar. Why is that important? Because this word midbar for desert or wilderness is a place that God wanted to teach the people to trust and depend upon him. So they were fleeing, but they were fleeing depending upon God. That's what we're supposed to glean from this. We emphasize fleeing like they were doing before these soldiers was a risky proposition. But Joshua did it. The elders, the leadership, they did it because they were making themselves dependent upon God. Verse 16 once more. All the people, this is the people of Ai, they they shouted this battle cry in order to pursue after them and they pursued after Joshua. And what happens? Well, there's this same word. And remember, God said that he wanted the people to go out, the people of Ai, and that they would be disconnected. Remember that word, lenatech, that there would be a disconnection between the people and the city. That was what God was going to bring about. And what God desires shall be. And it says, and they disconnected from the city. Verse 17, our last verse. And there was not left a man of Ai or of beth which did not go forth after Israel. So all the men, not just the men of war, but all the men went out. And we're going to see that they totally abandoned the city, the city of Ai. They abandoned it. Literally what it says, they left the city open. Now, why was this? Well, what happened last time? The children of Israel fled just like this time. And they were defeated. There was death in the camp because there was sin in the camp. And they suffered a devastating loss. This is what the children of I expected. These men of the city, they expected that same thing. And they were overconfident. They thought there was no reason to defend their city because the children of Israel were fleeing, fleeing in fear. They did not know about this ambush that was laid for the city. Once more, verse 17, there was not left a man of I or of Bet-El, which did not go forth after Israel. They all wanted to be part of what they thought was a victory. And they left the city open and they pursued after Israel. Now, they were pursuing what they thought was victory. This is what they saw with their own eyes. But God had a strategy that what they were pursuing was going to bring about their own defeat. Meaning this, doesn't matter who you are, when you are in sin and rebelliousness against the will of God, You are going to easily be deceived and you're going to take actions that lead to your defeat, your demise, your death. And there's going to be a great loss. See, if you don't want to lose, then you have to obey. We're not saved by obedience, but having been saved, we're called to obedience. Without obedience, we're not going to grow and mature. Without obedience, we're not going to hear from the Lord his purposes for our life. We're not going to experience that direction. He's not going to give us that strategy that we need, that strategy for victory. Realize, obedience to the instructions of God are vital for a triumphant life. So ask yourself, is that the type of life that you want? Is that what you're pursuing? In order to know this victory, you have to obey the instructions and follow the strategy of the Lord. And when you do, as we're going to see next week, God is going to accomplish His purposes through His people. And when God uses you for His will, there's not a better experience that you can enjoy. Well, I'll close with that until next week when we deal with this second half of Joshua chapter 8. Until then,